Hello, listeners. Before I get started, I just want to remind you of our Patreon drive special. Yeah, pledge drive. Pledge, <laughs> pledge drive that we are doing, that we are currently doing. I just want to let you know if you're considering um, joining or upgrading to either the $10 or $25 level on Patreon. We have 19 line drawings at the $10 level left and five full color drawings at the $25 level, which if you join our Patreon, you will receive a lovely drawing of yourself by our very own Theo Julian Forrester. Um, Check out our socials to see what they look like. They are awesome. Use them as your, you know, user photo everywhere you could possibly use them at. And I just want to let you guys know that, you know, part of the reason why we're pushing our Patreon very hard is that we put a lot of work in this podcast for free. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, I have have a full-time job and I am doing what is essentially a part-time job on top of it. And... You know, I have a limited amount of spoons in my in my week, and so it would be really great to get a little bit of money for that compensation. <laughs> I don't know how we want to how I want to do that, and of course, Lark is basically doing this as his job right now, which is not a way to make money in <sighs> this terrible capitalistic society. So, you know, this podcast will always be free. We will. You know, never put this behind a paywall. But if you have a couple bucks that you can throw to us each month, that would be rad. Yeah, you, um, Jesse, said recently, holy shit, there's a giant rainbow outside my window right now. <gasps> Listeners, surely this is a sign that you're going <laughs> to claim all of the portraits the moment you hear this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to try and take a picture so I can put it on our socials when this episode comes out. That's oh my amazing. God, it's so beautiful and giant and bright. That's pretty awesome. I totally thought you were going to be this giant bug on your ceiling. and that So it was a very pleasant surprise when it was a rainbow instead. Way better than bug. <laughs> <laughs> but so you said jesse recently when we were recording that if everyone gave a dollar an episode we would meet our goal and i did the math and actually we would surpass our second patreon goal if everyone gave four dollars a month and if you kicked it up to the five dollar level where you unlock a bunch more stuff on patreon we would meet our final patreon goal if everyone who listens on the first day that the episodes come out uh, pledged at that level. So even if you don't want a portrait, if all of you who listen to this on the days that they come out, just go pledge $5 right now, we will like actually be making a living wage for making this podcast within a day. And how cool would that be? <laughs> and, and if you haven't checked out the perks that you get on our Patreon for your money, I think that if you do, you will find that it is well worth the amount that you would be giving per month to uh in terms of what you get back so we want to thank the folks who have pledged on patreon since last time we talked to you all so megan bristol and elise thank you so much for joining us you are all super awesome Samantha, thank you for claiming our second $10 portrait. And Gwen, Gwen, 
I'm not sure the pronunciation. Um, and Rhiannon, who both claimed our first two $25 portraits. You are all our heroes. We have been gushing about you on social media. Now we're gushing about you on the air. You're super great. We're so grateful. Thank you. Uh, y'all are the wind beneath our wings. It's, it's true. <laughs> if I had a wedding, I would invite you to it, but I don't know. You guys, you guys are great. And with that... The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> I shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Hello and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 3, The Night Bus. After Harry's escape from Privet Drive, he accidentally calls the night bus and goes to London. On the way, he is given a, a brief rundown on Sirius Black, Azkaban, and yet another nauseating-inducing way to travel in the witching world. At the Leaky Cauldron, Fudge is there to show Harry, among other things, that laws don't matter. This is very bewildering to Harry, but TBH, he is just grateful he's not expelled and gets to spend two weeks in Diagon Alley and not at the Dursleys. We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Evidence emerges showing that the reasonable restriction for underage sorcery is not in any way reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about anything about any of their laws is reasonable. Nope. We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Um, so I know the whole part of the night bus is that it's a pun and also a nod to night buses that they have in Europe. Um, But is there a day bus? The night bus goes in the day. In book five, they take it to King's Cross. You know, you're right. I forgot about that. It's just like, I feel like this whole thing about the, the existence of the night bus is very interesting, but also raises so many more questions for me. Like, why don't, which is use buses more often for transportation. Like, is this a privately funded thing or is this like a ministry funded thing? Like what is going on with the night bus? I have a lot of questions about the night bus that I put in health and science. I have a lot of questions also, so we could just move all of those things there. So, Cause I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah. So many questions. The, 
don't I'm trying to remember when Stan comes out does he say it's for like stranded witches and wizards and that so it's called the night bus because it's like rescuing people yeah yeah night and shining armor thing yeah yeah totes but yeah no so you're right there are just like so many questions <laughs> all right that's actually a majority of my front page so but i have other not bus related questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh so my first one is that this chapter harry is more of a child in this chapter than I think almost at all in the books leading up to this point. Everything about the way that he's approaching, like, running away and, like, living on his own and, like, the fact that he's like, okay, well, they're going to be looking for me, so, like, the first thing I need to do is go to the most obvious place that I would go so I can get my money so I can go... (laughs) hide they definitely won't think to look for me at gringotts where i would go to get my money to go into hiding and like that's it just feels so real and it feels really refreshing to me anytime that harry like really acts like his age i guess and then it comes up again when he asks fudge to sign his permission slip it's like again he really is it's like very very true to being 13 and i I don't know. I guess I just appreciate it. No, it it is it is pretty great, actually. And also, I don't know. Actually, do you think Fudge would have signed his permission slip if it wasn't like we want to keep you safe from this axe murderer, essentially? No, Fudge totally would have expelled him from Hogwarts if he didn't want to keep him safe from the axe murderer. That's true. Harry keeps asking the wrong people for his permission slip, and it's very, it is very childlike and also very sad that everyone's just like, no, bro, we can't do this. Yep. Um, I just have to kind of LOL at the Daily Prophet's description of a gun as a, like, a death wand, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys have crossbows and other not magical weapons, but I guess if you're just a an average witch reading the paper, I guess comparing something to a wand is probably the thing that's going to reach the most people, I guess. But it's like, it's just weird. Cause like guns do so many, I mean, sorry, wands do so many other things. Guns do one thing. And it's like, that's true. I guess we don't anything about guns. You just like, Oh yeah. Muggles use them to like hurt each other. So it's kind of like a wand. I don't know. It isn't it weird though. I, I underlined that when I was taking my notes and then I didn't really like go anywhere with it. I didn't move it onto my computer notes. But while you were just talking, I realized that like guns have been around for a super long time. Well, well before a lot of the other technology that they use. So it's not like, oh, like guns are too like, advanced for them to know about in the witching world like they should they should totally they should totally know what a gun is i mean i guess so here's what i think i think yes and then i was like there should be magical guns but then i realized that 
I mean, if you could use a shield charm or something to shield yourself from a bullet, a gun wouldn't probably do anything, number one. And number two, we've already established that witches can take a lot of physical damage that would, like, murder a muggle and, like, for the most part, be okay. So, like, you'd have to have, like, really ridiculous bullets to even try to, like, kill a witch. And, like, even then, who knows if you would succeed? So... And I feel like a wand is a gun. You know? Yeah. I don't know necessarily. I don't think I mean that, like, there should be guns in the witching world, but just that not knowing what a gun is is more akin to them, like, not... Oh, come on. What's, like, a similar... Era. Like, not knowing what a, a train is. All the trains came after guns. Guns have been around for a really long fucking time. Yeah. Like, they just should know what they are, I guess. It just shouldn't yeah. be something that, like... It's funny. It is funny. The description of the gun is a metal wand that muggles kill each other with. But I mean, I think we can establish how shitty Hogwarts is at teaching children anything, really. So... Mm-hmm. I think it also, that part just, I find really tragic as um, a child who's, like, primary imaginary games and, like, things that I was really into as a kid was, like, pirates 100% of the time. Like, them not knowing what a gun is means that, like, witching kids never get, like, any pirate fantasy, anything, books or radio dramas or anything because like guns are pivotal to pirate drama and or like to you know pirate shit um and that just like makes me feel really sad for them you don't think there are witching pirates Um, or like witches who are pirates that because i feel like that seems i mean i guess i don't know i guess it depends on how much the witching world was involved in the historical kind of uh situation that pirates flourished in i suppose so i don't know i don't necessarily mean that there never was a witch who was a pirate but that if kids were growing up with like you know comic books or like other kids books that were pirate themed then they would all grow up to be adults who knew what guns were that's true right and so Mm -hmm. if they don't then i guess i'm like using deductive reasoning to say that then therefore they didn't have any of those things and that makes me sad but my reasoning could be flawed that's, I mean, I feel like you're probably right. It just seems so weird that they, but also the like cultural kind of stories of like witching children does seem very sad anyway. It seems like very lacking in say like what, you know, muggles have as far as stories. How do you have a society that is not rich in stories? I don't know. Right. Oh, great question. And sad question. Huh. I feel like there's more there. I mean, we'll definitely, it'll definitely, I think, come up over the course of the books. And, like, definitely, of course, once we get 20 years from now, we get to book seven. <laughs> true. Very true. I don't remember whose turn that was. Uh, I think I started to think about guns. So if you want to go into your next point. Okay, my next point is totally unrelated to Harry Potter or guns. Um, but I, my own self rode a double decker, violently purple bus to visit, uh, Tolkien's grave in Oxford. 
Just oh my saying. God. <laughs> amazing. That's so amazing. <laughs> uh, I do want to go to Oxford mostly to visit the places that come up in the His Dark Material series. Mm-hmm. So, which I'm like, I need to do that. That is like literally why I, I like went to Oxford and was like, Alice in Wonderland, Tolkien is buried here, His Dark Materials, like this is what we're doing. And it was wonderful and lived up to all of my expectations. So, one day, one day I will go. It's gonna, yeah. it, it'll be cool. It, you'll enjoy it. Like the botanical garden that like Lewis Carroll and the real Alice hung out in while he was like creating the stories is in Oxford. Like you Whoa. can go there. Yeah. Oh my God. It's great. Also, it's just a really good botanical garden as Ooh. a connoisseur of botanical gardens. <laughs> so. No, I, I understand as someone who also, I don't find to go as far as connoisseur, but I do love a botanical garden. So Evan and I try to go to as many as are available everywhere that we go. And we have like a list, a shared list um, on our phones of all of the botanical gardens that we've gone to. It's cute and fun. I encourage everyone to follow suit because it's just really great. You know, I do a very similar thing. I've definitely been to botanical gardens in a lot of the places that I visit regularly or have visited. So, or at least either the botanical garden, the natural history museum, or both. Same. So, we have a natural history museum one too. That's why I'm like, why haven't I been to the one in Chicago? That's bonkers. I live four hours away. What the natural history museum? Yeah, in Chicago. I've not been there. It's I know. so good. I know. Oh I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to do that. I know. You, you do. Next <laughs> next weekend, you have to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one, no one will be home to watch Whitney because Nicole's also going to be out of town next weekend. Fine. The weekend <gasps> after. Maybe for my birthday I could go. That'd be a good trip. Anyway. Yes, do that. What's uh, next? <laughs> just another LOL about Fudge's saying to Harry that they had to puncture Marge. Oh my god, yes. They took, they took like a giant like hat pen and just like, boop! <laughs> yep. Oh, man, doesn't that make you wonder what what spell Harry accidentally did to her that they, because they knew what the solution was, you know, and it wasn't like a counter spell, it was a physical action. You know, I think I saw okay, so I can't confirm how true this is, but I saw a like Tumblr post or a tweet. Some like Harry Potter adjacent thing was like, if you fuck up a silencing spell, it makes you swell up. Hmm. So maybe he was trying to silence her and it backfired. Wow. Interesting. You should try to find the source of that. Yeah. Let me make a note to do that. (laughs) I know we haven't actually, like, technically seen Sirius yet, but, like, Harry says that he saw something that was, like, a dog but huge, and I just want to come out formally as against the dog that they cast in the movies. Yes. Actually, I I have a health and science about that, because of course I do. Great. I fucking hate the dog that they cast in the movies. Not the dog itself, you guys. Just the breed is the wrong breed. So. Uh, yeah, I feel that way about the breed of dog and also about the fact that Lupin 
werewolf form is not just like a giant wolf, but like a weird spindly wolf creature was not a good direction for the movie. They're literally the werewolf in the Harry Potter movies. I think somehow is worse than the werewolves in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is a hard thing to be. It is bizarre looking and nothing like a wolf. And the book clearly states that it's hard to tell a real werewolf from a, a real wolf from a werewolf. So feelings. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. The weird, like spindly naked creature is like, it's horrifying, but it's also like, bro, that's not a werewolf. No. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So yes, we're on the same page about what, what kind of, Dog Sirius's animatis form is. I have many feelings. Yeah, we'll loop back in the felt and science section. I just, I have a couple of non-political things about Fudge. Okay. <laughs> um, the first off is that the fact that Fudge has clearly talked to the Dursleys and thinks that they're all right, and it's like, oh well, deep down, you guys like each other, and it's like. Who who are you talking to, dude? <laughs> like you met Vernon and Marge and Petunia, and you're like, oh, this is a fine situation. I don't think that he really thinks that. I feel like Dumbledore must have done the thing with him where he's like, no, this is the best situation for Harry, and so Fudge is just like towing the line. He's like, uh, you know, very deep down, you must care for each other. Um. Which actually connects to one of my points that I had somewhere else, so I'm just put it here. But honestly, I'm very angry that they didn't also modify the Dursley's memories around this particular thing. Because, like, as much as I am very anti-memory modification, it is not ethical. But, like... If you're already there wiping people's memories and you can make it so that they, like, hate Harry less, I feel like you also have an ethical obligation to do that. (laughs) You know, you're totally right. And I actually, this didn't make it to my notes, but I was thinking about how it sucks that Marge didn't have her memories modified to maybe at least stop being such a horrible garbage person to Harry. Mm. And so she's learned nothing and nothing will have changed. And that's like really unfortunate. And I mean, I guess she like never sees Harry again. So like, it's fine, but just kind of like, I don't know. I guess maybe that is one of the perks of the fact that the Dursleys kept their memories is that they'll never invite Marge over again if Harry's there. Yeah. And, you know, as shitty as it sounds, this is, I think, a step in what I hope is Dudley's eventual realization that he does not have to be as shitty as his parents and can break the cycle of abuse. That's true. My last front page. I just am curious about why Harry says Voldemort to Stan. I assume because Harry is so used to saying it that he wouldn't, he wouldn't have centered himself because like he does nothing to like pretend to be something else besides poorly hide his scar and give a fake name. But he doesn't say it in 
Stan's like, you know who's blah, 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 blah. And then Harry's like, who? Voldemort? <laughs> like, it's not like he just offhand says it. He's like, wait, who's you know who? Do you mean Voldemort? <laughs> Oops, I didn't mean to say that. Like, it just is... Was that for us? Like, this is a real question. Like, why did that uh... line get written into there? Like, was it to remind the reader of who you know who is? Was it... What was the... What purpose did that serve? Maybe for the audience? Because, yeah, I don't... I mean, it doesn't really do anything even to kind of further our knowledge of, like stan's sort of worldview and the exposition we're getting so it is very strange that we even get that interaction yeah i feel like maybe that just like didn't get included in the exposition in chapter two and so we're just getting that yeah now that reminder that you know who means voldemort yeah and that people are very don't like it when you say his name still okay yeah, because it's a very clumsy. It's a very clumsy line. It doesn't. It does. It has to be there for a reason, I guess. Yeah. So. My my last two front pages are at the very end of the chapter. Harry's like, man, fudge. That my entire interaction with Fudge is so weird, and I'm like, my dude, if you had done even the bare minimum of reading about your history and about the war that caused the death of your parents, you would maybe know what was going on a smidge bit oh yeah like harry has no idea what's going on and no one's telling him because i'm assuming they just are like oh you know what's going on we're not i'm not gonna be the one to tell you and it's like fucked up but i'm also like harry harry my guy we haven't talked about this since book one i don't think about the fact that harry didn't bother to learn anything about his own history and it's finally coming to, like, bite him in the fucking ass. Like, he could absolutely... Because he spends another, wow. what, like, three to five chapters before he finds out... Like, he's getting information about Sirius very piecemeal. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't... He, he Like, he doesn't have to. And like, And, like, for us, it helps build sort of the mystery. But it's also, like... Harry, just Harry, read a book that's not about Quidditch. Or <laughs> like, well, wouldn't is... you think that Hermione would have read all of the like unauthorized biographies of Harry Potter and like all of the actual history books on like all of that stuff? And so she should know that Sirius was one of his parents' friends. I mean, I think the information about that's true. I don't know. Because the way that just the way that McGonagall talk about it when they're when he's eavesdropping in the whatever that pub is called, that it makes it sound like that you know it was not like a secret but sort of like that doesn't make any sense either because if an entire generation of people saw Sirius Black being friends with James Potter, like it should be very well known that they were friends. Super I don't well know because they weren't so. just like friends; they were like thick as thieves quote-unquote, is, I believe, what Rosmerta describes them as. Yeah, either Rosmerta or uh, McGonagall. So, yeah. And, you know, we all we all know, us and our listeners all know, that, like, Sirius and James and Lupin were all fucking. So, like, everyone knew that they were friends. Right. You know? I mean, the only thing I can 
think of to explain this is that Hermione definitely has read all of these things about all the unofficial shit about Harry. But maybe she feels awkward talking to him about it. Especially if, like, he doesn't know. Because I wouldn't want to be my the friend to be like, so, like, I read all these books about you. Did you know that your parents were from the, the Death Eater and probably looked at their death? But, Jesse, Hermione does want to be the one to do that. <sighs> like... I don't know. She loves saying I told you so. She loves being like, Harry, read a fucking book. Like, I know this thing about you that you don't know because I read a fucking book. Why don't you read a fucking book? (laughs) (sighs) I don't know. Is this this our first correction of this book? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe we can just, like, try to pay attention as things move forward. Maybe there's, like, something... You know, this is a society that seems, like, um, really big on covering up its sins. And so maybe that's something that everyone has, like, collectively chosen to forget. Or, you know, maybe because it was so out of nowhere that Sirius did the thing, everyone worked really hard to, like, rewrite history to make it so that, like, oh, of course he was, like, in with Voldemort. I mean, like, to sentence someone without a trial, uh, everyone must believe that you have, like, a lot of evidence against them, and, like, there presumably wasn't any evidence Uh, of Sirius having been a Death Eater previously, but now there's, like, this whole story that Stan is telling that, like, oh, yeah, he was right in his inner circle. He was going to be second in command. So, like, maybe it has just been, like, written out of the, like, shared history. Yeah. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense, considering that we know that the Ministry has a vested interest in misinformation versus actual information so yes they do so i want to end on a very sweet note okay of my uh for my front page which is the way that the last two paragraphs are written is that harry totally passed out with hedwig still on his arm oh (laughs) i know that's really sweet. And just just imagine her like with her beak sort of like just sort of like, you know, like grooming his hair with her beak while he's asleep. Yeah. Yep. Oh. Hedwig is so great. That's all. I was just like I was just, like reading it and I'm like, oh my god. The end of the chapter is incredibly touching i like couldn't figure out what i wanted to say about it but just like it's been a very weird night hedwig is like a sentence that i love i don't know and then he just falls asleep like i feel like she made it so that he could fall asleep you know because like he has this comfort this comfort of home and stability there with him yeah and she has you know, she has found him throughout this very tumultuous night that he has had. Mm-hmm. You know, so. With her psychic tracking device. Yep. She's like, something went off in her brain and was like, Harry's on the move. <laughs> she, uh, the burrow. She, she checked her GPS and she was like, <laughs> where's this literal child going in the middle of the night? I better go investigate. 
<laughs> was she in Egypt? I'm sorry. Because he tells her to clear off and go to Ron's, but Ron isn't back from Egypt yet. I am assuming that the, she just went to his house, even if the Weasleys aren't there. But he wrote a note to Ron, so is she still flying around with that note tied to her ankle? Or did she take it off herself? Or I don't know. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. And we're going to launch immediately into our Witch NSA Watch. (laughs) Okay, so first off is... Why didn't Harry blowing up Marge um, automatically trigger Witch NSA like owl to him about accidental magic? Because, like, when Dobby broke that, th- dropped the pudding or whatever, it was there, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess I don't know how much time had passed, like, in between her blowing up and him being like, I'm out. But it seemed like, it just seems weird to me that, like, there wasn't just, like, an official ministry owl, like, waiting for him when he stopped running or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Or even at his house. So. Or when he used Lumos. I'm with you. I honestly am so confused by the unreasonableness of the reasonable restriction. <laughs> like, because he has the trace on him. So, like, yeah, my one MSA point says that Harry says that he doesn't want to make it too easy for the ministry to find him, but they are watching him, watching him, watching him. <laughs> Because they should, like, there shouldn't be, like, a bunch of people out looking for him. Someone should, like, apparate directly onto the night bus and be like, hi, Harry. Like, none none of it makes any sense. So, and that actually brings up my next point, which is, is the speed in which the night bus moving makes it, is it, does that make it hard for him to be tracked? Because it seems like that the night bus is both moving super fast and question mark apparating so great question let's circle back to that in our night bus section in health and science okay yeah so per your initial question i also am wondering and this is a question that i have for you is like did an owl go to the to the dursleys with the like expulsion letter for harry before the accidental magic reversal squad showed up and they were like oh no go away owl we actually take it back because harry's in danger like have they issued a formal like decree that harry potter's trace doesn't matter right now because sirius black is after him so like he's allowed to use magic like what is going on it just i guess i don't know is what i think I guess there is a possibility that whatever sort of magical automation triggers, say, getting a warning about using accidental magic and being expelled, like, has been blocked while the ministry is trying to find Sirius Black. But then I think that actually brings up a weirder question of shouldn't they have been watching him more closely to to make sure that Sirius didn't show up at his house? Very good question. 
Maybe they thought that the like Voldemort repelling charm that's around the Dursleys would extend to his followers. Which honestly is a possibility considering that like no one has tried to rope on him before this to try to murder like six-year-old Harry or something, you know? It's true. Because I feel like that'd be like kind of a thing that Death Eaters would try to do. Do you think that the location of the Dursley's house is um, like secret kept under that under that spell, and they just don't know it? And like Dumbledore is the only one who knows. Except then, how would the owl get to their house? Yeah, but I don't know. owls can go places that wizards don't have any idea where it is. So, I mean, I I do imagine that. I do imagine that, you know, there's definitely some powerful protections around the Dursley's house, but wouldn't it, I guess what is unclear to me is that if it was secret kept, would the Dursleys be able to like have people come to their house? Like, does it affect muggles? I don't think so. I would assume not, but maybe it's hard to say. Wait, no, there must not be, because then the twins would not have been able to rescue Harry last book. Accurate. This has been Witch NSA Watch. Watching you, watching you, watching you. All So, can we talk about the description of Stan? We sure can. And I actually have a little bit, yes, let's talk about the description of Stan. Okay. So Stan is a foolish character, right? He's foolish and he's a gossip. And he continues to be basically a punchline for the rest of the books. Uh, Eventually he becomes sort of this like symbol of like how the good guys are so good because they're even sticking up for foolish gossipy like vulnerable to coercion stan shunpike and all of those things are fine that's a fine character to have why does that character also have to have super bad acne ears that stick out and what in the uk is a very clear class signifying accent I mean, honestly, I just feel like a lot of things about Stan, the way that he's written, is just fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucked up and it's wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the way that his accent is written is just, it's very lower class. Right. And it's sort of, honestly, sort of awkward to read because I'm like, I feel like oftentimes writing out accents like this is real awkward <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. It just seems very unfortunate to, like, m- maybe our sort of, like, first real, real, like, working class person that we meet in this series is like this. Right, because Hagrid's accent is different from Stan's, which I think also Hagrid's is also po- also supposed to be, like, a lower class accent, but I think it's, like, a regionally different lower class accent. Yeah. Whereas Stan's is like, Stan's is a Cockney accent, right? 
I ha- I honestly have no idea what Stan's acts. I tried to like read some of it out loud, and I'm like, I don't even know what. I think like Stan talks like Bert in Mary Poppins, if that helps you like get a a ring for what it sounds mm-hmm. like. And it, yeah, it's it's very it's like, wow, this kid has is like comes from no money, and. And then we get these physical descriptions that are things that happen, like ears that stick out could happen to anyone. That's like just genetics. And like acne happens to literally everyone at some point in your life. Like why? why? And he's like still, he's still a teenager. Like he is like, yeah, like of course he has acne. Right? And I think, I don't know. I'm like super defensive about it right now as someone who's going through puberty again in my 30s. I'm like, that's just what happens with hormones. Fuck off, J.K. Rowling. But it's also harmful because this is a book written for children who are literally going through puberty. I'm brandishing the book, listeners. <laughs> I like when I'm talking to the listeners and not you. I look at my mic instead of at my <laughs> computer camera. <laughs> I'm like, that's where they are, in there, in the microphone. But, like, kids reading this, all of them have acne, right? To some extent. And, like, are going to school with kids who have really bad acne who don't need to be, like, judged or thought of as being, like, foolish gossips just because they have acne. Yeah. Can we just stop with, like, perpetuating harmful stereotypes? Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, it's... Yeah, I feel like the way that his character is is really weird. And I don't like it. (laughs) And also just, yeah, his, the way that his accent is written out, I feel like I'm just like, I don't, I also don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) I just, uh, it's like, we get it. He's poor. We get it. He like may or maybe didn't go to Hogwarts and has this like poorly paid job being conductor on the night bus. I think, and like, you know, maybe he's not super quick to the uptake like that's like that's fine but i just feel like it's like it's like hammered home so much where i'm just like okay i get it i, I get what you i get what you i get what you're saying jkr i don't need to have like 20 pages of like r- reading through his accent mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so um yeah, it's like I get it. He he he, he was on the night bus. Like this isn't a like high high paying job, right? As far as we know, which is don't even have jobs half the time. So like, right. even having a job is like, you work for a living. <laughs> so, yeah, I just realized what an intentional dig it is that like this character is giving Harry shit about not having read the news. I didn't realize like how mean spirited that joke was on JKR's part until just now. Uh, but it really, that's like really shitty. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just interesting. Cause it's like, I mean, obviously you have kids who are poor who go to Hogwarts. Kids who are poor go to Hogwarts every year, mm-hmm. you know, but like no one at Hogwarts sound, sounds like this or their dialogue is written like this, even if they have accents. So it's like very, a good fucking point jesse even with seamus the most that we get about his accent is that he says ma'am instead of mum and he says me instead of my that's it yeah. we don't get anything else about like his irishness written into his dialogue mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And just, I don't know. It just makes me uncomfortable as, like, maybe the first, like, super working class person that we meet for more than, like, in passing. Like, this is the way that they're described. Because mm-hmm. I... Because arguably, like, the Weasleys don't have a lot of money, but it isn't... It's sort of like they probably had money five kids ago, and now they don't, because they have a lot of children to, like, clothe and feed and whatever, mm. but it's not like... Like, I don't... It is not... Nothing about the Weasleys makes me think that Molly or Arthur came from, like, working-class backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Just from the way that they talk and the way that, like, their children talk. You know? Right, and their uh, shared aunt, what's-her-face, has a lot of money and a goblin rot tiara, so... Right. We did decide that she's both of their aunts, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we just... Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... A lot of incest going on in the witching world. So, yes, we did just determine that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially if Molly's brothers, like Fabian and Gideon, were like, I guess this never described what they do, but if they were like fighting in the first order of the Phoenix, maybe they, they were probably working for the ministry or they like doing something up there, you know, probably. Right. I don't know. What if we just like retconned my childhood understanding of Fabian and Gideon, which is that one of them was Molly's brother and the other one was his husband? Because <laughs> uh, I honestly was devastated when I learned that they were both her brothers. Because I thought that was just like canon. That. Because Harry gets one of a watch that was one of theirs, right? Yeah. Fabian's, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so that was Molly's brother. And then Gideon was his husband. I mean, they both weren't married, so I I think we could headcanon them both as gay, honestly. But can they, one of them not, can Gideon just not be Molly's brother and be <laughs> Molly's brother's husband? Is that, sure. is that doable? Yeah. I don't, I am yeah. not like as steeped in the like pre-book lore, I think, as you are. Yeah. So I don't know how like how canon it is that they're both her brothers, but Well then yeah. I mean I don't care. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, um <laughs> no, you're right. And I think the other thing is that like the Weasleys are like poor in the witching world and like I would bet money that Stan is muggleborn. Yeah. The amount of, like, showing his knowledge of the witching world that he does and his, like, need to be, like, someone teaching someone else about what's going on, I think is very demonstrative of someone who is, like, proving their worth in society. Yeah, I feel like either he's muggle-born or he came from a family kind of, like, not like, like the Gaunts in the level of fuck with this pod going on there but just like you know a very poor witching family mm-hmm. that's like yeah no one's going to hogwarts kind of deal mm-hmm. for whatever reason you know yeah so but yeah he's he, but here you're right he's definitely trying to prove that like his worth as a witch to harry to a 13 year old right <laughs> yeah oh man oh stan <laughs> <laughs> okay, your turn. Oh, um, I do want to talk. F- I do want to. St- I do want to mention Stan's 
comment about the muggles like noticing the night bus Mm. um which i just feel like is one of those ways in which anti-muggle sentiment is just so ingrained in like witching society Mm -hmm. in which yeah if you live like say in an urban area like weird sounds you're you're gonna tune that out like Mm -hmm. So much weird sound happens on my apartment building that I tune out, including weird bangs. I'm just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. I'm sorry. This is just like a really good segue for me to tell your story about what happened last night, which listeners was a new moon. And last night, apparently one of my neighbor's chickens got out and was disemboweled by a raccoon. Holy shit. On the street. Oh my god. In front of our house. And like, I feel like, okay, it's a new moon. Like, I want to put like big quotes around like a raccoon. Um, <laughs> like, who did what to the chicken on like this witchy ass evening? I'm surprised they didn't like come to my door being like, bring out your witches. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, you know, like the dogs barked. We were like, what the fuck sound is that? And then we like went to bed. So yes, you're (laughs) right. Also, this very weird witchy thing happened outside my house last night. Yeah, raccoons make unearthly sounds. So yeah. So Muggles noticing the night bus aside, I just feel like the sort of disdain that he has from, it's just like, it's just weird to me, I guess. But also just sort of like, it's sort of very like those people, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Which is always, which is always just like makes my hackles rise. Um. I think that also is something that I don't have, but I would like for us to like loop back to when we do talk about the night bus. Is like, is Stan right that this just relies on Muggles not noticing, or like, does the night bus have some sort of magic that makes this function? Oh yeah, I definitely have some questions about that, cool, so we can loop great. back around to that. Um, I do have one more politics-related night bus thing. Okay. Which is, do rich people use the night bus? Like, is this only a thing for, like, people who don't have a ton, like, a lot of money? Because no one's having a good time being on this terrible-ass bus. Yeah, I feel like not... Probably not. Like, I assume that maybe, like, you hit an age and you, like, don't want to apparate anymore. Or, like, you know, your body can't handle it or whatever. But, like, I feel like the truly wealthy people in witching society would, like, I don't know, hire a driver. Yeah. I definitely firmly believe that. Malfoy Manor has some like flying carriages that they take places like a hundred and twenty percent. Yeah, or they have like a fancy ass chauffeured car from like the nineteen forties that's like magic to Oh my god, they would they would totally have like a whatever an evil villain like vintage car that they That's would exactly have. the one that I'm thinking of. You know, <laughs> it's like really long in the front. That car. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever car that is. I don't know what car that is. <laughs> but I'm glad that we're both thinking of the same car. And it's emerald green, obviously. Yes. But, like, kind mm-hmm. of iridescent. Like, it might look black sometimes, but as soon as it's in the light, it's like, oh, that's a green car. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's a little snake hood ornament. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
because you know how much fucking anyone in Slytherin loves their ostentatious bullshit. You just like fully like this one goes to eleven. This conversation <laughs> <laughs> like you just, that just was great. <laughs> <sighs> cool. Yeah. I guess I just want to know. To my, you know, persistent frustration, why would anyone ever get in trouble for doing accidental magic? Right? Especially they have a fucking uh, squad at the ministry for dealing with accidental magic that's done. And like probably adult witches who do accidental magic don't get in trouble for it. It's a fucking accident. So like why are children who are still learning how to control their magic... That they didn't get in trouble for not being able to control for the first 11 years of their lives. Why would they get in trouble for that? Uh, correction, Lark. Why would... I feel like only muggle children get in trouble for this. Because how would they know in a witching household? And Harry did accidental magic to a muggle that he's not, like, blood-related to. So it's like, he has broken the international statue of secrecy you're right which is why another reason why I, which is fucked up it's so fucked up because it basically kind of criminalizes muggle-born children for shit that comes naturally to them mm-hmm. yep it's i hate it you should because it's <laughs> fucking it's fucking terrible oh okay do you have anything else political i do I feel like Fudge alerting the Muggle Prime Minister is maybe the only decent thing he ever does in these series of books. Where he's like, I could not tell the Muggles about this terrible criminal who also murdered Muggles, you guys. And I'm like, that's actually kind of decent of him. Yeah. He talks to the Muggle Prime Minister a couple times over the course of these books. Yeah. So he is at least on top of like that particular role of his position and like doing the right thing in one spot. Yeah. The, maybe the only spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Can I just say, I can't wait till we get to that chapter. The one where that's like from oh, the point of view of the Mughal Prime Minister. That's such a good chapter. It's so good. Of course, I, because I'm just so hungry for book content that's not in Harry's POV, I love every single not Harry POV first chapter we get in the, in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I love them because you're just like, yes extra extra information about the witching world from someone else yeah i feel like i read a rumor that there was supposed to be a chapter like that in book two from like draco malfoy's perspective Mm -hmm. which i would have literally murdered someone for like (laughs) holy god just to see more of his fucking house if nothing else yeah so obviously all of the things that stan tells harry is like ministry bullshit do you think that that came from like barty crouch is this just like the ministry party line about what like is going on with Sirius? because like the core of the information is probably pretty correct they just have the wrong fucking person kind of so it's like and not like kind of the wrong person but like you know the motivation of what has happened is maybe a little bit accurate just Obviously, they have the completely wrong person. So. I need you to clarify what you're talking about. Oh, sorry. So Stan is like, 
you know, Sirius was, you know, Voldemort's number two, or wanted to get in his good graces by, like, you know, trying to do something with Harry, and then, like, murders a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Which, obviously, that's not what happened with what Sirius is actually doing. Oh, so your question is, like, where is Stan's information coming from? Yes. And, or, yeah, like, who, who has created this, you know, information, this narrative that he has? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that probably, yes, like, so we know Barty Crouch Jr., or no, no, Barty Crouch uh, convicted him without a trial, sent him to Azkaban. I would guess that what Stan is saying is like what the the newspaper article that came out the the day that Sirius was convicted said, and that mm-hmm. yeah, it was like a a PR piece essentially, so that no one would question whether or not they had the right person. Where Stan accessed that, I don't know. My guess is through Ernie. Yeah, and I mean, it does seem like I feel like word of mouth. Or, like, you know, this is a common story that I'm sure witches tell one another about, like, what happened, mm-hmm. you know. So, that makes sense to me. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Uh, starting with the fact that I think that it's completely and totally unbelievable that Stan and Ernie wouldn't know who Neville Longbottom is. Right? Very small society. Right. And especially if the Longbottoms are war heroes, like, people should know about, you know, their kid. So And his grandma clearly sits on, like, every board of everything. Like, everyone knows who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It, feel, it does seem like a better... Yeah, he could have been, like, I'm Dean Thomas or something. Like, something like... Right. Any, any. Not my other potentially notorious friend. Like, bro. <laughs> Pick someone who's not a pureblood for sure. Yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah, like, he luck- he lucked out the fact that they had no idea who Neville Longbottom was, really. Yeah. So. Yeah. I also, <laughs> I told you we were going to come back to this. I don't even know if I left it in the last time I talked about this, but this, like, grammar annoyance that I have with J.K. Rowling where she does this he, comma, Harry, comma, blah, blah, blah thing. Mm-hmm. Which is just, like, a completely and totally unnecessary (laughs) amount of words. And it feels clunky in the same way as people saying, like, he and or she instead of saying they. Where it's like, you could just have said Harry. And this sentence would have been so fine. She's doing, she does it. In this case, it's like she was talking about Stan and then Harry is talking about himself again. But, like, there's no reason that, because it says, like, he, Har- he, comma, Harry, comma, had broken wizarding law like Sirius Black had. Yeah. And there's no reason that it couldn't just say Harry had broken Siri- wizarding law just like Sirius Black had. Like, why? I mean, what what I would assume is that she thought it made this sentence sound more weighty more interesting and in reality her editor should have been like choose one or the other <laughs> yeah. yeah either he or harry <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like trying really hard to like not be pedantic and just like in general in my life 
I feel like I'm going to give myself permission to be pedantic about weird shit that published authors do. Yeah, and I definitely think it's going to get worse in the later books where I feel like her editors were just like, we need these books out as soon as possible. This is good. We're good to go. And it's like, no, my dude, do your job (laughs) and tell her that she needs to cut this or fix this. And I'm like, y'all failed. (laughs) Get your job. And, And I get it, but it's still just like... No, you should have had someone be like, actually, we're going to wait two more months so I can actually read this tomb of a book and edit you correct and edit you properly. Yeah, totally. I feel like I always want to clap to like emphasize because it makes me so annoyed. But why doesn't Harry's trunk already come with the featherlight charm? Right? Or fucking wheels. Why does it have fucking wheels? Listeners, just so you know what's happening. I'm miming my brain exploding. Jesse is, in fact, responding to something that I'm doing. <laughs> um, these are very good questions. The only thing that I can think of is that Harry, for some reason, has, like, the cheapest school trunk that doesn't have, like, a feather light charm or some kind of charm already on there where he's not, like literally dragging all of his school possessions no because everyone's always helping everyone with trunks onto the hogwarts express i don't know i don't know i don't know the trunks the school trunks should really all be like magic like hermione's beaded bag yeah like you live in a magical world no one should be carrying anything heavy ever Unless it's like, this is so full of its own magic that we can't, like, safely magic it or something. Mm. Or like, I don't know. And I just feel like we don't ever get enough information about how the magic works to be like, oh, there's a clear downside to, like, putting magic in your trunk. It would just fuck up the magic of all of this shit in the trunk or whatever. Like, it's not ever explained. It's just like, have fun dragging your trunk. 20 blocks Harry and then having Ernie who's fucking old lug your trunk into the fucking pub like Jesus and why doesn't it because so I imagine like a steamer trunk right yeah totally why doesn't it come apart when you're like dragging it on a sidewalk like shouldn't it just like break and that'd be like noisy as fuck yes (laughs) You would not be able to get very far dragging a steamer trunk anywhere. <laughs> no. He should at least have, like, one of those, like, things that you scooted around on in gym class in elementary school. It's like a one-by-one one square of plastic with four wheels on the bottom. Oh, yeah. Set the trunk on there, scoot it, you know? The very least. <laughs> yeah, the twins could have made so much money just doing that, selling fucking carts like wheels on a piece of wood for your trunk oh my god i want i want to believe that that was the next thing they well george expanded into after like they're like oh our like practical dark art stuff and then they were like oh practical muggle stuff that's our next big money maker because they could make a fucking killing right it's like yeah george is in king's cross and it's like hey that person is wheeling their luggage. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. 
That's like the secret to um, like the away luggage that all the podcasts endorse is it's actually magic. <laughs> like, how is it so light and yet so durable? It's made by the Weasleys. <laughs> uh, amazing. Away, if you want to sponsor us, I totally have some of your luggage. So we should we should email them and be like, we should. sponsor us. I want some of that luggage. Shit, Are you kidding me? Uh. <laughs> Turns out you only have to have your suitcase like be pulled apart by cobblestones in the middle of a trip one time before you're like, I think I'm gonna get luggage with a lifetime warranty. Like, yeah, trying wheeling your like sparking and like consistently more and more degraded luggage down a street, trying to find somewhere that sells suitcases. Never again. <laughs> I have one more editorial. All right. Who decided to leave a 13-year-old child unsupervised for two, three weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks? They Fudge is just like, you should get a room here, which presumably <laughs> is on Harry's dime, and is like... Tom, keep an eye on him. Harry, here's some rules no one will be enforcing. (laughs) You're 13. You're 13. Your plan was to get your money out of Gringotts and then who knows what. That was your whole running away plan. You're fine. Just look out for yourself for the next two weeks. Entirely on your own money. What? You know, maybe uh, now that he's in... Diagon Alley that which NSA has a much closer eye on him. I just mean like on a practical supervision oh. level, not like a safety supervision level, but like this is a child. I mean, Fudge is the worst. Cause yeah, he could have been sent somewhere where an adult would be supervising him. <laughs> like Tom is definitely not the solution to this problem. Harry needs, like, a babysitter. Yeah. He's 13. Yeah, and, like, he has other friends They could have been like, well, you're gonna go to Neville's manor for a couple of weeks or something. Neville would have been, yeah. so, been so happy about that, by the way. Yeah. Oh. I know. And they might have become, like, real friends. I know. I'm gonna read the fanfic where that's what happened. Oh, my God. Uh, Maybe we should put that on our list for queer blues. Yeah, they left him there and he, like, isn't allowed to do any magic. So, like, yeah, what? If someone had attacked him, that he wouldn't have been able to, like, I don't know. I think they probably put everyone on alert to, like, look out for him in terms of, like, danger. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, you probably in the 90s you could. But, like, now, I don't think you... You can legally leave a 13-year-old home, I think, for one hour home alone. For sure in the 90s, you could leave younger children alone for significantly longer amounts of time. Like, latchkey kid here, but... I mean, you know, the witching world is not great about their child welfare, so... Sure aren't. It also is just, I mean, I guess everyone probably knows that Harry has a bunch of money, question mark. But, like, the idea of Fudge being like, you should get a room here and, like, pay for all of your own meals at restaurants for the next two weeks. That gets so expensive so quickly. 
and and it seems like he's just like he's just like living off ice cream like these are the reasons that 13 year olds need to be supervised so that someone's like you can't just eat ice cream for three meals a day you're gonna get really sick oh yeah he's toast just eating ice cream (laughs) he has he did not eat a vegetable for that entire two weeks no totally not yeah it's it's yeah mm-hmm. accurate okay well <laughs> on to the next segment welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school so all my points are interrelated which is about why the fuck hogwarts doesn't have a civics class um harry doesn't know about the way that the laws work in the witching world anything about azkaban which considering how everyone is justifiably freaked out by azkaban harry should fucking know what's going on with that and it's sort of like how do muggle-born kids who aren't like precocious like hermione learn about this shit i mean some of it in history yeah but clearly no one's paying attention in history so, like, why isn't there a, like, here's how laws work. <laughs> here's how our very shady prison system works. He, like, Harry has no idea what would get him in Azkaban. And I feel like maybe no one else knows either, unless you're... I don't think I don't think anyone knows. Because I don't think there's any hard and fast rules. How do you have a civics class if the whole class is like, well, whoever's in charge deems at that moment... Whether or not what you've done is bad enough to land you in prison. And if it's not, you get a fine, maybe. <laughs> and otherwise, you know, you get a howler. Oh my god. Really, you really... Which, like, great way to keep your populace under control. I mean, hell is yeah. To be like, you never know what will happen to you when you perform an act. It could be nothing. It could be the most wildly inappropriate, like, horrendous, inhumane treatment. No way of knowing. I mean, is is that basically a dictatorship? Not a dictator, like, yeah. a, like a police state? Like, it's just very, like, clearly there are people who live in situations like this, and it's fucked up, but I thought there's a... Yeah, like the law, like the laws don't matter, which is like is it that's fascism, right? Is that I should probably know it, this. I think this might be a situation that can like exist under many different kinds of immoral regimes, perhaps. You know that is also fair, cause yeah, but again, like yeah, Harry has no idea, and it's just very upsetting. It is so upsetting, and. And the thing is that, so here's the thing. When I was reading that part where he's talking to Fudge and he's like, I'm going to be in trouble. And Fudge is like, no, 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 no. Like, we don't, you don't get in trouble for accidental magic. And Harry's like, um, that doesn't really add up. And then, and I was like, no, of course it doesn't add up. Right? Like me reading it. Like, yeah. Of course you can't get in trouble for accidentally doing magic. And then Fudge says, circumstances change, which means that like, Previously, Fudge had said, we don't send you to Azkaban for accidentally blowing up your your aunt. 
And then he says circumstances change, which means that maybe last year they would have sent a 12-year-old child to Azkaban for accidentally blowing up his aunt. And it's only different now because they, like, have to protect... I mean, I, I feel I feel like the fact that blowing up that it was a muggle aunt in front of other muggles is really, I feel like, the, the sticking point. Because I feel like if it was just like, I don't know, because I, I feel like you're right. I think if what happened to Marge happened last book, he would have totally been expelled for mm-hmm. and also like. You almost expose us to muggles, like, how dare, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, who even knows for sure? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything, like, hard and fast in their legal system, aside from, like, the three unforgivable curses, that even those are, like, but unless we deem the reason that you use them to be justifiable. Like, how do you even write a textbook this about is true. this? This is... Very true and also very upset. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, just and it's just it's just it's just upsetting to me that like Harry spends so much of this chapter filled with anxiety because he has no idea if he's gonna go to Azkaban or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super fucked up. And as shitty as at least the u.s's juvenile the way that the which the in which the u.s deals with young people like there doesn't seem to be any kind of sense that if a 14 year old did something i feel like there's no there's no sense that they just wouldn't send children to azkaban if they did something wrong it almost seems like there's more leniency for adults in this world than there is for children maybe in just in that that like children are you know knowingly and actively being tracked but there's just like so much more more wiggle room it seems like with adults like it's harder to to like get them in trouble for things mr weasley is constantly catching adults doing things that are really shitty that like they don't even end up you know getting yeah. fined for because there's like plausible deniability but like children don't have plausible deniability yeah because of the trace and i feel like that's also probably points to how corrupt the ministry is because it's like it also just depends on who's minister you know it seems like and like what sort of things they're enforcing and how strongly they're enforcing it mm-hmm. so yeah we i did a like when you were out of town i did a like ask me anything on in our instagram stories i was like jesse's not home for me to text about harry potter you guys have to talk to me about harry potter (laughs) um and someone asked me the question what character from like another fantasy series that you love would you like to see in the harry potter world Hmm. and i was like stumped and i was like i I would never, and what I ended up saying, I was like, I would never wish this world on a character that I loved. Like, this world is really fucked up. And I don't think that I could be like, oh, this character that I, like, adore from another series, I would love to see them in the Harry Potter universe where things are, like, so messy. (laughs) 
That's actually a really good question. I want to think about that. If yeah. there's anyone from another fantasy series that I would put in here. Yeah, I had to think about that. That's an excellent question, though. It is a really good question. I was very impressed. All right, so is that the end of your education? Uh, I mean, yeah, that that was it. The, the, or the okay. lack of education, I think I should say. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go to advertisements, and then we'll finally do this health and science. Okay. Welcome to advertisements, where we ask you for money. And then make you laugh. This week, we have a very special advertisement. A very special reminder that we're doing a Patreon drive asking you to please support our podcast. You know, there's more than one way to support a podcast. And if you can't give financially, perhaps you can give by creating your very own song to ask other supporters to give on Patreon, <laughs> much like Yana did. This is incredible. Jesse hasn't heard it before because you all know that I live to surprise Jesse with things on the air. It's <laughs> my favorite pastime. So, uh, so yeah, here it goes. Oops, we did it again. Created content. But it isn't too sustainable long term we are asking for you to please contribute on patreon and we will draw your face oh my god oh my god i'm like crying a little bit i know oh my god Woo, that's incredible so good so good also, what a lovely singing voice, let right? me just say. Yes. Just everything about that is, like, pure magic. I did ask Yana how we should offer credit, and I'm going to share Yana's Twitter handle with you all. It's a good Twitter to follow. Yana live tweets our episodes, so if for no other reason, I think that's a great reason to... Uh, to follow at a prism uncovered yeah i i follow yana on twitter and even though i literally record the episodes Mm -hmm. i find the twitter live tweets very amazing (laughs) yeah it's it's really it's great and also just like very validating you guys know we just really love being validated by you so uh yeah as yana said support us on patreon we'll draw your face (laughs) What's the same summary of what we're doing. Uh, everyone, please do that. And now, a public service announcement. The Ministry of Magic has issued a decree that no one may use the word Dementor within earshot of Harry Potter until further notice. When referring to the Dementors in his presence, please use the words Azkaban guards in order to create an air of mystery and drama around the subject. This decree will be lifted when Harry finally meets a Dementor and learns both their true nature and their true name, and not before. Anyone who violates this decree will be immediately given over to the Dementors, that is, the Azkaban guards, for punishment. Oh my god. (laughs) I didn't even notice that! Oh my god. Yeah, 
they are called the Azkaban guards until the minute that Harry meets them. And then Lupin's like, it's a Dementor of Azkaban. Huh. Uh-huh. So weird. It's going to continue in the next chapter. Okay. We don't hear the word Dementor until chapter five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Welcome at long last to the health and science section where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science, including the night bus and its myriad mysteries. So, so many mysteries. I have like at least a dozen questions about things around the night bus. Okay. <laughs> it's like, which I'm sure, we're, I'm sure we'll probably, I'm sure there's going to be some overlap. Mine are sort of vague. My, my, I, I guess I want to start. I, yeah, I want to start by saying that I think I read this and was like, I think this is actually the most information that we ever get about how aberration works. Oh, okay. I think if so, assumption one: the night bus is aberrating, right? Which you mentioned earlier. I think there's pretty strong evidence to that. Right. It makes a loud bang. It moves a long distance at a time. Um, so, assuming that it's apparating, we learn something about the distance limitations of apparition from this. Because it doesn't just, like, apparate to a spot and let a passenger off. It, like, apparates, drives, apparates. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, obviously we can't track it, but, like, it went from little whinging to whales. Mm -hmm. Harry says it was 100 miles. You know, who knows how accurate that is. And I know at some point, like, Hagrid mentions that Dumbledore takes a Thestral when the place he's going is too far to apparate. So, like, how far can you apparate in one go? Mm. We do learn that there is a real limitation yeah. To that from the night bus here. I think that's the biggest thing is like, oh no, the other question that I had about it was um, related to the question you asked about if you could apparate onto the night bus because it's moving so quickly. But like, what are the three D's of apparation? Determination, destination, destination. and deliberation. Yes. Something like that. So, destination. Do you just have to be able to, like, pull up in your mind where the place is? So, could you just focus on the night bus as its own location and operate onto the night bus? Hmm. Or do you need more than that? And, like, if you do have to know the place... Which, like, when we see them roaming the countryside, it seems like Hermione has been to most of the places that they go. So do you have to be familiar with the place that you're apparating to before you can apparate there? It sounds like you do. And I feel like... I mean, I feel like you must... I feel like you must have to, or else how would you know where you're going to be ending up? Right, so you couldn't just, like, read like the the name of the city or know the gps coordinates and be like that's where i'm going you have to be able to envision it in a way that 
is like you've been there before. Yeah. So you have to go somewhere the first time via a means that's not apparating before you can apparate there. Which I feel like does explain the variety of ways people get places and why we... I mean, we see more apparition in later books, but it just, like, we don't see... I feel like a ton of it in the earlier books. Mm-hmm. And, like, honestly, right, like, if you have to been to the place before in order to apparate there, if you're going to a new place, it's like, how the fuck are you going to get there? Right. I guess you're taking the the flu network, which fucking sucks. Yeah. And, like, the night bus, which also fucking sucks, honestly. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so here's my, here's my, like, crescendo question for you. I'm okay. ready. So if you have to be familiar with a place to be able to operate there and there's some sort of weird magic about how you flag down the night bus that just involves like waving your wand and being in need seemingly Mm because people wave wands all the time and Ernie is the driver of the night bus and is described as being owlish is Ernie the night bus driver three owls in a trench coat. (laughs) yes i thought so (laughs) he's definitely three owls in a trench coat which actually would connect to one of my points which is the way that ernie is described as driving makes me think that no one has showed him how to drive anything it's just like here's the bus he is he is definitely three owls in a trench coat (laughs) what else do we have to discover that's all i've got i mean you i do have a question about how the night bus even finds people and it seems to be maybe intent of like i need some help like please help me yeah in the same way that hedwig found harry i think it's it it is it's just owl intuition yeah (laughs) do you think there's more than one night bus Mm -mm. i don't and i don't think there's more than one night bus driver and there probably is not uh i just i don't understand just why there just isn't buses more buses like why is there not just like public transit (laughs) i don't know either or trains like why aren't there more trains right it's like you clearly can use the train tracks like right just have some more magical trains mm-hmm. and i mean the ministry has cars it look clearly right so maybe which is also weird but i guess maybe it's a class thing maybe if you're rich enough to have a magical car or like a fancy carriage like you're not futzing around with fucking the flu network or the night bus or anything mm-hmm. you have a fucking cool ass car like i don't know yeah i just really want to reiterate that i think that they should let ali bashir import flying carpets like it's just the most fucking practical form of transportation right available to these people listen you put a witching tent on a magic carpet perfect fucking perfect oh my god yeah just like put a charm on it right. so no one can see it exactly tell the carpet where to go you're you're good you're good you're totally yeah. good it's also silly that arthur weasley is so actively blocking him from importing flying carpets because it's like you have seven children 
Like, of all the people in this world, you are the family that this would most benefit. He's probably thinking about, though, how many magic carpets would end up in, like, muggle-like thrift stores, probably. I know. But, yeah. There's gotta be a workaround for that. I know. Make them all look the same. I don't know. Yeah, or, like, put a spell on them so that they unravel if a muggle touches them. Right. Yeah. I mean... It's so, it's it's so bewildering. I guess my next question is, so they mentioned that the night bus doesn't go underwater, which Mm -hmm. tracks, it doesn't make sense you could be able to operate to an underwater place. But what the fuck is underwater besides, like, merpeople colonies? Right, because why would Stan say that if it hadn't been asked of them? Right. Which clearly leads me to believe that Atlantis is an underwater witching city. <laughs> Accurate. <sighs> yep. Oh, but what do you have to do to get there? Oh yeah, there aren't witching submarines <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> no. And if you can't, if the night bus can't operate there, then you can't operate there. I think that's going to be a ubiquitous. I like literally don't know. I mean, I guess that's why Atlantis is still is still lost, right? <laughs> no one knows how to get there. They can't get in or out. Like maybe it just like sank and they, you know, did whatever to like put a bubble around it so that they'd be able to keep living. And then they're like, fuck, you can't operate through water. We're stuck. They're stuck. There can be no coming and going. <laughs> and never, never the two shall meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess my other question is, could you take the night bus to, like, other non-UK countries? As long as there was, like, a... Because, like, there's a tunnel between England and France. Yeah. Why not? I mean, whether or not they s- decide to serve other countries but like yeah i don't think the magic of the bus would limit them from being able to go anywhere as long as they could operate there without having to hit water within their geographic distance limitations yeah so yeah i think anywhere anywhere in all of europe asia and africa should be accessible I'm doing geography again. I know I fuck up with this, but I think all of those are connected land-wise with not huge expanses of water between them that should make it. Like, if you can get from Mm -hmm. Scotland to Ireland on the night bus, you should be able to get... Can can you just imagine one of the the schools in book four just showing up on the night bus? The students all like roll out, just like vomiting. It's like we always do like to make an entrance. <laughs> yep, I believe it. Sounds great. Um, yeah. So, um, I looked it up on a galleon to current currency converter. So, Harry's ride with the hot chocolate was uh five dollars and forty four cents as of. I mean, in 2019 money but probably cheaper in 
1999 money, mm. which isn't a bad deal, I feel like. No. It is a good deal. Also amusing to think about is I live in a city, so reading this chapter about communal beds, I was immediately like, this is a bed bug outbreak waiting to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We'd not get in a, in a bed on a bus. Oh, no. <laughs> That's... Oh, man. Yeah. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, why are these beds not just mounted to the floor? Look. Because it only costs $5 to <laughs> go wherever you're trying to go. <laughs> I don't know. Everything about, like, this bus is, like, couldn't you have done something to make this more comfortable for the people on board? Like, anything? And then the answer is obviously not, because it's terrible. Yeah, everyone is clearly leaving nauseous and sick. And I'm just like, you would have to do so many drugs to feel comfortable on this bus. I feel like drugs would make it less comfortable, because then you're, like, going to get nauseous. That's true. Yeah, this is this is a very bewildering situation all around. It really is. So yet yet another way of traveling in the witching world I would never ever want to take. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't go anywhere. I feel like <laughs> apparating yeah. is the only maybe okay thing. <laughs> or like get a get a hippogriff. I'm afraid of heights, though, so I feel like flying is pretty much out for me, I think. Even if it's, like, on your, like, super good friend, animal companion that you, like, know and trust and who you know would never, like, take you up in the air if it didn't know it was going to be able to, like, fly you. That's that's true. That is true. And having a hippogriff would be fucking awesome. Yeah, and you'd be really good to your hippogriff. Like, I feel like... I feel like you could... You'd be fine on a hippogriff. Right. Or a winged horse, so it'd also be cool. Yeah. Anything that's, like, also sentient that you have a, like, connection with, where it's like, well, if you start getting tired, you're gonna land. Yeah. And I know that. That's true. So unless we, like, get shot down, like, we're probably gonna be fine. I feel like that would be... That would be fine. Yeah. No, you're right. But, uh... The night bus is none of those things. No, it's not. <laughs> this is definitely a, like, you are so desperate to be on this. <laughs> yeah. And that's why it's called the night bus. Oh, man. Because it only comes for people who are in need. Oh, I guess maybe this... Maybe I do have a health and science thing that's not related to this that I forgot about. What's that? Which is, Tom is described, he doesn't have any. he doesn't have any teeth. Do they not have magical teeth they could give him? It makes me want to cry. Why don't they have dentists? But, like, I mean, they don't have optometrists, but, like, uh, what's-his-face is a magical eye. And also people have glasses, so how do they not have optometrists? They must. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, because Harry isn't the only person who has ma- who has glasses. I mean, can they just grow Tom some teeth? It's just very confusing why he doesn't have teeth. It's so confusing. Besides to be like he's old and poor. Is he even old? I don't know. I mean, I guess I just, I don't remember quite how the rest he's described, but he like, 
I guess when they say that he doesn't have teeth, I assumed from old age. Mm. Because the alternative is very sad. <laughs> it's even more sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Why would he not have teeth? You live in a fucking magical society. You can regrow b- bones in a night. They can't grow him some teeth. Give him some wouldn't, magical dentures. If he dentures. just took some Skelligrow, wouldn't he grow teeth? Oh, I don't know. Because it's not just... Skelligrow doesn't just fix bones. It grows new bones. Teeth are bones. Yeah. Excellent question. So, Sirius Black. Sirius Black. Animagus. Newfoundland. Yes? So, I have Newfoundland on... I have a, I have a couple of breeds of dogs on okay. here. So... Before we get started, we just want to reiterate that me and Lark both hate whatever breed of dog they used in the movies for Sirius. For this purpose. For this no purpose. offense to whatever. I think it's like an A. It starts with an A. Arendale. Something like that. No shade to that kind of dog. They're very long. They look like curly snakes. That's fine. Um, but that's not what kind of dog Sirius is Animagus is just full stop yes all right so you said you said Newfoundlands which Mm -hmm. I I do agree that I feel like a Newfoundland does sound I mean it's a giant black dog that could be mistaken for like a bear or a monster right which would also be a great literary nod as in Peter Pan either slash both um, Nanny the dog in Peter Pan was either a Newfoundland or a St. Bernard, which mm-hmm. St. Bernards do come in black. So Sirius's animagus form could also be a black St. Bernard. I honestly just thought that like a black St. Bernard was a Newfoundland, but cause they like are basically the same dog. They're, right? they're very similar. It from the little bit of research that I did, uh, there's a lot of, Newfoundland in contemporary St. Bernard's because the sort of this image of like a St. Bernard rescuing people in the Swiss Alps, the little thing of brandy is sort of correct. Hmm. But in that like St. Bernard's were originally bred in this like monastery in the Alps that was like a traveling hostel, hospice, something, something. And they would have dogs rescue people out of the snow but the sad downside to that is a lot of these dogs would die in the snow and so the breeding stock so like what like historically was a saint bernard that breeding stock became much lower and they would breed like the saint bernards they have with newfoundland dogs which then you couldn't use for snow rescue because they're so fluffy that their fur would freeze and they would get too heavy so huh yeah, very Newfoundlands, strange. Were Newfoundlands bred in, like, Newfoundland, Canada? Yes, but also they were bred in Europe from some other very fluffy, like, Nordic water dogs, too. So they were created twice in two separate places? Well, Newfoundlands are descended from a couple of other kinds of, like, you know, fluffy giant dogs. Right. But yes, they're, and like... But like, I'm just asking, were they importing dogs from Canada to like re up their Saint Bernard supply? Probably, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so I feel like Newfoundland or Saint Bernard is pretty close to, and I feel like as a literary nod would be perfect if that's what Sirius's dog form 
mm-hmm. was as his godfather. Right, exactly. So. That's, um, like, really good. Jesse, can I just say, like, <laughs> really here for that read. I'm excited about it. Also, my my sister has a black labradoodle that it's also sort of like, I don't know, a, like, giant shaggy dog, like, black dog. And I'm like, you could be serious, black. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, not, but, um, but I think, I think Newfoundland or St. Bernard, I feel like makes more sense from like what we read from the text. Yeah. I mean, that's what I always just imagined was in Newfoundland. Cause it's like, there's, I feel like there's just like one dog that you can mistake for a bear and it's a Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah. Or, or a chow, which I don't think that's what Sirius is for. Chows just aren't big enough. You know, like you could fit two chows inside of a Newfoundland. <laughs> That is very fair. Actually. So, it just, it's like his dog form is so big that just really narrows your options of what kinds of dogs it could be. Yeah. And like, yeah. And it does not seem like Sirius's dog form has, is like a smooth coat dog. So that, no. that narrows it even more. I feel like. Right. Yeah. And like, are there other dogs that are the size of like, St. Bernard's and, and Newfoundland's like they them and like uh, Great Danes like those dogs live for like seven years because they're so big like that's not you, yeah. th- someone did a lot of work in the breeding of those dogs to make a dog be that giant and so it's like that really narrows the options of like black bear sized dogs that exist yeah I think there are some like more like rarer breed dogs that are giant and fluffy that serious could be but it it makes to me more sense that serious would his form would be something a little bit more common versus something that's like super that like 80 people in like georgia europe are like breeding you know mm-hmm. so and like that would suck out so much more if he was a, a rare breed versus just like right like a saint bernard you know right and I read that Newfoundlands are also pretty popular in the UK, so oh, I feel yeah. like that like makes sense to me. Right, because of like right, because when he's living in Hogsmeade, no one is like, oh, what's this dog? They're just like, yeah, stray purebred dog. It's fine. Give it some chicken scraps. I don't know. <laughs> It is kind of weird how, like, not many witches seem to have dogs. It's true. And I get it, cats are, like, cliche slash historically witchy, but, like, I don't know. I feel like dogs are also great, so. I know. I would be so sad if I went to Hogwarts and had to choose a non-dog animal companion to bring with me. Yeah, that would be a bummer. And also, like, you might as well just have dogs. I agree. (laughs) Wool biased. Uh, um, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we had the discussion because I'm like, this is a very important discussion to have about what Sirius's dog form looks like. It really is, and so you know, you know, I don't like the movies. Mm-hmm. I particularly don't like the casting of Sirius Black. That's legit. That actor is fine. Like, I know that he's a good actor. 
he's again too old everyone who plays people who are supposed to be in that group are too old but also like he's not pretty he's like sort of disconcerting looking and i feel like (laughs) that actor and the dog that they cast make sense together that yeah and both are wrong (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'm trying to imagine who i would who i would cast as serious as a newfoundland (laughs) this is a really important question do we have to be like someone who could have played serious in like 2001 or can we like choose from whoever we can choose from whoever Okay. I'm not trying to limit you in this in this thought exercise. <laughs> I'm like terrible at actor names though, so I could like pull up the perfect face and still have no idea who I'm trying to tell you I think should do it, but I'll I'll think. I feel like I don't know young actors. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, I don't know. I actually said that and then like I actually don't have anyone in mind myself. We'll think of it. Honestly, I just want there's this like this person who does serious black like cosplay makeup that we follow on our gaily prophet instagram who like the first time i saw her serious black my immediate thought was like in our first episode i was like i have a crush on serious black which means that i just want to date myself and i was like i have been corrected i actually just want to date this person i don't (laughs) i don't know who she is but I want to date her. Um, she's like incredible. All of her like all of her cosplays are incredible. Um, so you know when this comes out, I'll post it again. And I feel like I want her to play serious black in the movies. Yeah, that's legit. Cause she's crushing it. You you're gonna have to send it to me so I can look at it. Cause now I'm very curious. I I will. Her uh, Instagram name is at TT Brett. Oh, okay. I can probably just look that up then. Mm-hmm. So exciting. So With that very exuberant end to our episode, are we <laughs> we're done, right? Yeah. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. If you want to support us, you should tell like two of your friends. Like, Just pick two people and be like, hey, I love this podcast. You should listen to it. Maybe they will, and that would be really cool for them to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, You can also rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook. Honestly, wherever you listen to this podcast that allows you to rate it, give us five stars or whatever the highest rating is, because (laughs) awesome. You can also buy our merch, and if you happen to have some extra cash lying around, you should support us on Patreon. We have we do some pretty awesome things over there, uh, exclusive clips cut from the episode, extra stuff. <laughs> so much extra stuff. Just endless. More you extra stuff than we re- reasonably should be giving anyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you should definitely like us on social media we're at the gaily prophet on facebook twitter and instagram uh like and share our stuff it helps get us exposure which means more people listen to us which is always good Mm -hmm. yeah and if you you know want to make this podcast succeed 
that's one of the easiest, freest things that you can do. People see funny things in your stories and then they click on them and then they follow us and it's great and also it makes us happy. So yeah, do it. If you want to find me in between episodes, you can do so on my website, larkmalachai.com, where you can book a tarot reading with me. You can also find me on Instagram, at larkmalachai. And I should spell that, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. You can find me on Instagram, at livefromdetroit, and on Twitter, at jesse underscore detroit. Our music for our spoiler warning and theme song are by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning was recorded by Sarah Sarwar and our logo art and our weekly comics are by Theo Julian Forrester. And you can find all of that information in our show notes until next time. Class markers, nausea, civics, Newfoundland. Oh my god, that was 10 minutes. This is going to need quite a bit of editing. Yeah, but it was at least two minutes of me exclaiming about the rainbow out my window, so. (laughs) We should keep part of that in. Oh, I am going to keep part of that in. Good. If you could mail us the change you have in that weird jar that everyone has full of change. We couldn't take that, but thank you for the the offer. It would cost you more in shipping than the amount of change you're sending out. It would be like $15 to ship that. It is 2019. I never want to watch the loading icon.